0: Kieran Tracy started Zambezi Beverages in 1991, just when national breweries in Zim launched their new beer, Zambezi Lager. At the time Kieran imported Bollinger's and Zambezi beer from Zim, Sol beer from Mexico and he also distributed two dogs with Mike Hazeman. Kieran tells us how he managed to sell between 30 and 40 containers of Zambezi Lager when the Taverners Association had a dispute with SAB during the December 1993 period. Kieran then started importing Salsa and Icelandic water in a clear can in 1996, followed by Snapple and the mighty Monster Energy Drink. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Drinks World. I ran into uh, an old acquaintance today. Um, and it must go back to the, the late 90s early 90s early 90s in the early 90s I met Kieran Tracy who was distributing zambezi lager in those days and I was at a, at a function I think at the Keg group where I was introduced to Kieran and we asked him to distribute our Bavaria non-alcoholic the Bavaria 0.5 and that's how I came to meet you I mean that's where I met you Kieran Um, Welcome to the show.
1: It's a pleasure. Glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Can you remember that incident? And it's interesting because I saw Robbie Mitchell earlier. He was one of the founders of of the of the keg group and I think we had a supplies evening or something at the kegs and you've and, got a good memory uh, <laughs> with, a bit frazzled off yeah. the trading
1: terms that I've had to pay
0: <laughs> and I was there with Rainer Funk uh, you might remember Rainer he was he owned that Bavaria breweries so tell us a little bit about your story. You obviously had something to do with with Zim and stuff. Your your company was called Zambezi Brands or Zambezi yeah, Beverages. We,
1: we called it Zambezi Multi-Level Trading. It oh, okay. was the shelf name company Okay. Um, in the early days, and that was sort of 91, 92. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think there was uh, um, a story in Zimbabwe that we had heard. Um, this is before email and uh, the internet of a new beer that was... Uh, developed by national breweries at the time um, and it had the namesake of Zambezi Lager um, which was immediately catching um, yeah. name wise it represented the region yeah. um, and obviously what Zimbabwe was all about and uh, that sort of triggered my interest and went up and met the national breweries guys in Harare. obviously a newly really, um, yeah. independent country they were keen to get into the export game um, I think uh, at the time, South African breweries SAB had a small stake mm-hmm. in National Breweries or Delta at the time, and uh, they were very keen to do business with us.
0: So, what what brands were available before that?
1: Um, look, they they produced under license. They had Castle Lager, yeah. they had Lion Lager. Um, I think Bollingers, black label. Yeah, Bollingers came after Zambezi. Ah, okay, that was a sort of a dry offering. Um, but the Zambezi was sort of their, um, their flagship And that was only
0: launched in the 1990s? 90, 91,
1: 92 okay. that it was launched and, and we went up and we met the guys, they were keen South Africa was sort of going, you know, coming out of the abyss They were interested in doing business with South Africa okay. again And I think we were, um, we were talking, you know De Klerk was, uh, yeah. was loosening up uh, the situation The political arena, I guess, was changing um, and uh, before we knew it, we had a couple of pallets coming across the border. Um, Pre sold them all, I think all to Benny Goldberg's and uh, bootleggers and those guys just immediately. Um, and uh, I gave up the day job. And uh, Which was? Which is a, a computer salesman.
0: Okay. Selling
1: uh, software and, uh, and hardware. So you knew how to sell? Um, I think you got to know how to sell when yeah. you're in this gap. So, yeah. So, yeah. And we. We put the house on it and a container of Zambezi came over, went into Benny Goldberg's and I think Macra took some of it at the time, there was one, it had one or two stores and the rest was history. And that's how you started? That's how we started. Okay. I think we spent our turnover, um, we didn't know anything about profit and loss. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, and we used to deliver on the back of a, of a 1972 Toyota Land Cruiser. Oh, I don't think we worried about a liquor license. Oh, you didn't. okay. No, we were delivering beer off the back of a truck. Yeah. It was easy in those days.
0: <laughs> I can tell you stories of guys now in the township doing That's the same good, thing yeah. without licenses, and that then they, us. yeah, we taught them. Yeah, interesting. So, and 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 uh, so. <laughs> In the early nine and, and macro, I mean, they were happy to buy from. Yeah, a they took it and
1: and Bollinger's came in online and um you know that was the beginning and then we we saw we saw this as a there was a niche
0: yeah
1: um you know there was no availability of uh, you know obviously after sanctions and all that um, that were imposed on the country there was just there was no choice yeah so we had uh, um, we had this sort of desire to get more and more products and I think we took on Seoul um, we had two dogs We did Budweiser Two
0: dogs No, I've got I remember two dogs yeah. We made that at Bavaria
1: Exactly yeah. Michael Hazeman. Yes Yeah It I was me and Mike Hazeman That actually started that Oh, okay Through a guy called Duncan McGilvery From uh, Australia <laughs> um, Who actually sold it to us In the first place And, and we sold it into Mike Haisman's, uh Cricket, action cricket setups Yeah And that's how we started Two dogs A pity it didn't work eh? It didn't work I think it was uh, probably a bit before its time. I think yeah. it's around still. But not uh, here. Not, not anymore. No. I think it's oh. come and gone. Yeah. And then Hooch came, I think. I think then Hooch, yeah. which, um, which we sort of managed with the cellar Master guys. Yeah. Oh, were you involved with that? Involved with the Hooch brand as well. Okay. Um, and then I think that uh, also came and went. The Hooch. Uh, but Hooch spe- is, it spearheaded that whole alcoholic yeah. uh, sort of...
0: Uh, so Hooch is now owned finally by Caleb Vivi. It's not that stable. I think Pepsi ended up with it and now KWV owns it. Yes.
1: Um,
0: and who was running Seller Masters? That was before Linus and, and his. It
1: was Fred Lottegaard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Linus von Zell Leon Benzel and Sonja Benzel. Yeah. It was a, a proper family run business, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we ended up, I remember we ended up putting our Bavaria beers in, into that setup just before they closed or liquidated. Yes.
1: Um,
0: and so how long did you do
1: Zambezi? Yeah, the Zambezi story, you know, we obviously went through, um, through ups and downs. I think our biggest threat was uh, Um They didn't like our presence. Um, we had a, had a really good association with the NTA, the National Taverns Association. Um, in fact, there was a story about uh, a boycott that took place um, where the NTA that had something like 2,000 taverns mm-hmm. in, the, in the inland area that they controlled. Um, in the townships, and um, they wanted a, uh, a beer that represented Africa. Yeah. Um, I think they had had some some issues with SAB at the time on on, on supply or trading terms, etc. And they made the call to to boycott SAB over a Christmas period. Can you believe it? And I sat with uh, Peggy Sene, um in the early sort of 1993-94. South Africa was on this uh, on the on the edge of, of a civil war yeah. And it was me and my partner at the time A chap called Grant Noakes And, Oaks, and um, there were these two white guys In the middle of uh, <laughs> Soweto Putting a deal together And uh, we concluded that deal And container loads came over For that Christmas period I think we moved something like 30 or 40 containers wow. Which was significant in those days yeah. And that's really what uh, what started That whole, the whole story with Zambezi and it, uh, uh, it spearheaded it. Um, they obviously um, got together with SA Brie and they, they sorted their issues out. And yeah. we had a sort of a four-month window okay. of great sales, just to wait Dream. Dream sales. Yeah, so, and and Zambezi, I think it, we had it probably until about the late 90s. And then there was an issue with, um, with the supply coming out of Ferrari. Mm. Um, the story went is that one of the 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 glass factory imploded we also had that yeah Yeah. Um, they were making a a flint bottle an export bottle um, that was going to South Africa it was a lightweight bottle um, into the US into the UK and Australia so they had had smaller markets there and um, they couldn't supply that bottle they could only supply us the returnable bottle so it was a heavier heavier glass um reusable bottle, mm. not great presentation. It wouldn't work in, in, a, in a becoming more sophisticated South African landscape as more and more yeah. quality imports came into the market and, and we just couldn't present properly against those. Okay. And we made the decisions to stop
0: do you think that was because Delta beverages was uh, they controlled it, eh? Wasn't that part of SAB somehow?
1: Yeah, look I think they were I think that was when SAB were, were moving. I think they mm. took more sh- the the government had a shareholding in Delta, okay. they sold some of their equity um to to back to Delta who in turn obviously sold. I think that's how the story went. Um and SAB took a took a, a larger shareholding. Yeah. Um, they controlled it more. And um and there was a bit of a squeeze, I think. I think they, sure. they saw it as a, com, you know, competing with themselves. Yeah. They didn't want independent uh, importers running product across the border. Yeah. So it basically fizzled out. Mm-hmm. The Zambezi ended around about sort of the early two thousands. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's probably the last time that I was in Zim was in the middle of probably about 10 years ago and I can remember it was harder to get the empties so you needed empty glass em- and a case of empties to even buy beer Correct. you couldn't buy yeah. beer There was a shortage of glass I think yeah, yeah. so that it must have got it even worse yeah and then fast track to 2017 have you seen the Zambezi being sold by SAB now
1: in South Africa yeah I haven't seen that yet.
0: So they have just launched a pack um, of eight different African beers, which they're marketing internationally, China particularly, and the States, which has got I think Kilimanjaro from Kenya. Great idea! Yeah, it's a lovely idea. So the, all the all the iconic brands from Africa in one little eight pack, including Castle and uh, Zambezi. They've got Laurentina Preta. Yeah, and uh, a couple of other brands in there.
1: So I think that was somebody else's idea. <laughs> I
0: think so. <laughs> but it's,
1: uh, they couldn't. I will not say who, but uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, it's taken that long for it to to get back onto the market. Now that everything's controlled by ABN InBev, yeah, um, it's a brilliant idea. And, and I dare say that they can do the same with German beers, and they can do the same with sure. with um, Belgian beers. Um, I'm sure they own enough levers and ughardens to exactly. to do a, a similar pack and
1: destroy all the don't little. They, don't they own six out of every beer drunk in the world?
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. And and so out of that uh, Zambezi beverages or,
1: or? Yeah, I think we'd realised at that stage that um, that we were playing, you know, in a in a sandpit that was too big for us, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was on a. On a visit to the UK that I picked up a product um, in the uh, in the beverage section at Harrods And it was an Icelandic water in a clear can And can. that was seltzer um, And uh, I'd met with the seltzer guys in the UK, um, London And uh, said that we were a beverage distribution business in South Africa um, Would you be interested in selling your product? And his first words were, not another South Africa he said, um, we're getting so many calls from you guys." I said, "Well, let's move quickly." And uh, by the time I got back to to Johannesburg, um, we had a container on the water. Really? Yeah. And that was that really spearheaded uh, my business, yeah. you know, financially and uh, um, and obviously uh, viability wise. Yeah. Um, and, we
0: and we started what, the salt spread.
1: That would have been uh, around about. Um, Nineteen ninety, 1990, probably nineteen ninety six. Okay, that long ago. That's that's sort of yeah, at least twenty years ago. Yeah. So that's Seltzer's been in the market since then. Okay. And um, yeah, Seltzer was the first, and followed by Snapple and uh, and Monster, and we were obviously a third party distributor for all the series, Energy yeah. et etc. Here in South Africa. And to, and uh, in terms
0: of the water, were you? Um, were you one of the first Was it flavoured
1: then Or was it just pure water Yeah it was flavoured um, okay. The product was was actually manufactured in Iceland Which gave it a bit of an edge And at the time it was, it was quite uh, revolutionary I could mm. say in the, in the soft drink arena um, There was really not much choice again we, we saw a gap in the market There was no such thing as a, as a clear flavoured soft drink yeah, all the products at that stage were all colored and mm. full of artificial sweeteners. And, and this was truly the first adult soft drink. Okay. Um, it was aimed at an adult market. Um, yeah. It was slightly more expensive um, in, in packaging that nobody had ever seen, the see-through can. Yeah. And uh, the sales were phenomenal. We really spearheaded that whole flavored water category. And obviously there's been a lot of other yeah. Me Too products and, and bigger players that have you know come yeah. into that landscape and done well. Mm. Um, but Salsa was the first, and just
0: for for my own interest, when did the likes of Aquila start? Can you remember?
1: Yeah, Aquila came out um, probably probably about two or three years after us. Okay. You know, there was first a product called um, Clearly Cape, yes, in, okay. a, in a glass bottle, and they were they were quite um, ambitious and they did well in a glass bottle. They converted into PET after a while, but then they they disappeared. And Aquila sort of took that uh, took that lead, and uh, and they sort of took over their market. So it was really just the two of us okay. that sort of uh, competed. But we've seen what Aquila's done now; they've taken it to another level. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, initially they would have just been in KZN and you yeah, would have been in Joburg.
1: Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, and then they, they obviously stepped up a gear, and they you know they've done what they've done now. But Saltz has done its uh, you know it's held its own. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't own. We've never owned our own production. And I think that's probably been our, our disadvantage or weakness. You think um, so, hey? You know, being a, a third-party yeah. bottling.
0: But you you started bottling in South Africa?
1: Yeah, we started bottling here in about 2001. Up okay. until then, it was imported wow. directly from Iceland. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the exchange rate played a part there as well. You know, as the Rand got weaker in time, you know, just wasn't viable to import and with other players coming into the market yeah. it, was a, it was a price issue yeah, always, so we had to make locally okay. and, and, uh, and that was it and who owns the brand? Um, Supergroup owned the actual brand? Oh, the Seltzer brand itself um, in South Africa it's owned by Supergroup mm-hmm. um, but there's nobody um, else globally that is doing a Seltzer branded water anymore it doesn't exist globally okay. Um, there is a, a factory in, in Wales that is producing the same product for Boots, but it's as a private label.
0: Okay, but the, the word salsa means water or, or
1: yeah, bottled a, water? It, I believe it's got a German um, origin yeah. um, and it means flowing water. Okay, um, but I mean, I, I know if
0: people talk about salsa, they talk about bottled water.
1: Yeah, I think it's got a generic term as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, so um, it's quite a good brand that you had. In the US, you know, they call um, <coughs> sparkling water seltzer. That, that's yeah. sort of the generic okay. term for it. So people sort of they think they know it, but mm. they don't. Mm. They've just heard the name before. Okay. So you, do you know the
0: German joke? Or I mean, obviously I'm, I'm from German heritage, but if if the Germans want natural water, it's, it's sparkling. They think that's. That's
1: the natural version.
0: It's the natural version oh, really? of water. <laughs> and if you, if you give them flat water, that's not water. That's oh, really? <laughs> Okay. And when did, I mean, your other big thing was obviously um, Snapple and, and Monster. When did you start those?
1: Yeah, Snapple was started um, around the, the first World Cup in 95. Um, it was must have been difficult, expensive product. Yeah, at, at, at that stage, it was a it was a Quaker Oats. It was owned by Quaker Oats, which was that that uh, massive uh, uh, FMCG company based yeah. in Chicago. They own Snapple and Gatorade. Okay. Um, and they really wanted to push the Gatorade product uh, more than Snapple. Um, and in fact, the Gatorade product didn't work here. Um, we had probably. 70% of our inbound consignments were Gatorade and 30% Snapple and uh, it was actually, the success was in reverse yeah. um, the Snapple was the successful, that was the product that South Africans could relate to, they understood it they got it, whereas yeah. Gatorade we were competing against the Pyraids and, well, and at the time it was Enerjade um, I think there was LucasAid as well and then to, to at a later stage. So it didn't sound same. It, authentic- it didn't work yeah. Um, you know, as we know, Gatorade's the number one globally, but mm. uh, it's never worked in South Africa for some reason. Um, so Snapple was it, and uh, um, we, we we purchased Snapple from Quaker, and then Quaker sold the product to, to Trioc, and then Trioc Beverages sold the product to Cadbury Schweppes, um, who in turn hived or uh, well, split the business, and 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 Dr Pepper Snapple was created, okay, as it is now today. So it's still a, a Cadbury's In a dotted line product But it's run and owned by Dr Pepper Snapple Okay So Snapple has been around since uh, mid-95 Mid-90s, 95, 96 And uh, it's still going strong as an import Amazing how, I mean, such an expensive product Can work in a in a country like ours Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we're quite um, us oriented mm. Consumers here in, in South Africa um, they sort of uh, aspire to American brands in a big way, um, and and I think Snapple is kind of unique because there's nobody here that really competes with it. Yeah, you know, it sits in its own category. It's just too hard to get that bottle, I guess. I think it's the glass. It's, yeah. it's the way they manufacture it. It's got no preservatives, and you know, unique, uh, yeah. you know, unique tastes and, and flavors. But it's it's it definitely resonates, and and they've done exceptionally well in this country. And it, and its whole design very elastic. Prices high. People still buy it. Still buy it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when did the monster story start? At the same time? Um, no, monster was much later. Okay. Um, I think this was this was all before the energy sort of revolution. But um, energy drinks really started to to create some kind of traction in the mid mid two thousands, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, Red Bull had been around for a while, but nobody had quite figured you know what it was all about. Um, and then. Stroke of genius! I think was originally Rockstar, Monster followed very quickly with a big can format, Mm. Um, and that was really the game changer. Yeah, Um, you know, double the size, same price as Red Bull. Okay, and that was the ticket into the game. Yeah, Um,
0: because I was distributing um, or redistributing Red Bull into the nightclubs and the on-trade and and the taverns and stuff in Durban, and then along came Monster.
1: Yeah, yeah, Monster came and. uh, It was 2007 And uh, it was hard at first You know people were saying Red Bull is Quite happy with one product You know look at it now you know how many energy drinks Are on the market but uh, Monster with it's uh, global presence And it's credibility you know in that sports You know extreme sports arena um, And and A great delivery taste and price um, And image um, Quickly took over That South African consumer's sort of mind And um you know, by by 2009, 2010, um, there was significant volumes being well, imported. And bigger than Red Bull or not? Not. At, I don't think um, we ever got close to the Red Bull numbers. Okay. You know, they they're very very strong and on premise. Yeah. You know, that's their their fortress. You know, the clubs. And they pay a the lot bars. of money to
0: stay there.
1: Yeah, I think that they they've earned their they've earned their right. You know, to control that space. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the go-to mixer. It's it's the go-to pick-me-up in that in that environment. So nobody wants Smirnoff and Monster. Yeah. Or, or Jägermeister and Monster. Very very un- yeah. unusual to find that. You know, yeah. it's it's Red Bull owns that. So, so it's a 4
0: court super. It's a 4
1: chord It's a, it's an on the it's on the move. It's on the go kind yeah. of uh, purchase, I guess. Um, but it but it's a credible opposition to to Red Bull. And as okay. you can see in the states, they're pretty much neck and neck. Yeah as far as volumes go but uh, as you know coca cola own a portion of monster now okay and uh, they have the global distribution rights okay and um, they have it here in south africa and is it true that
0: uh, that it was started by south africans
1: um yeah am largely correct um there was a gentleman here um who was a South African, ex-South African? He left um, Johannesburg and settled in, in California, mm. and he bought a, a fledgling uh, beverage business called Hanson's, mm-hmm. um, Northern Californian origin, I think. And I'm not too sure how the story went and how they went from selling a juice-type product and going into a, you know, quite a, eg, energy drink. Um, you know that that transition never really got that story, but I, but I think that. Um, um, that they, they really understood what the consumer wanted. Okay. And they worked it out. They were smart. They, the formulation was brilliant. Um, they got the right athletes and ambassadors around the brand. And, um, yeah, South African.
0: Okay.
1: Um, South African guy that uh, engineered a successive monster. Oh. And I think he's sitting on a beach somewhere in the Bahamas. <laughs> I'm
0: sure so he is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and what what other interesting brands did you have? You also did Rockstar.
1: Yeah, Rockstar came um, pretty closely after our contract ended with Monster. Okay, um, they they were interested in uh, in obviously trying to to emulate the success that we had uh, done with the Monster guys, and um, and especially in uh, in seeding the product in this market. Um, yeah, and I, I think it was pretty short lived. We only had a, a period of about a year and a half with Rockstar before. Um, the Zambezi beverage business was acquired, yeah. um, and, and Rockstar has found a new home. Okay. But uh, it, it's always battled. I think uh, at that stage, Rockstar was probably a little bit, uh, a bit too late into this market. I think um, you, know, you, you had the, the EG-type products, uh, Red Bull and Monster, that had, had already um, obviously attracted and taken over the minds of the consumer in yeah. South Africa, and to have another, a third player in that in that sort of category would be would be difficult um especially in especially uh, as an import yeah and from
0: a distance with a bit of beer experience and lots of distribution and sales experience there's so many new breweries now new gin companies or distilleries wanting to launch brands and start and so many lighties wanting to start distribution businesses I mean, what do you think the the key success stories or factors are for for a startup?
1: Now, I mean, would you? What? Yeah, look, it's I think it's quite overtraded. Um, but I, you know, my sort of humble advice is, is really startups is to is to understand your market. Mm. You know, know your business. Um, you know, and approach your market. You know with the view that it's not going to be easy. Mm. You know, you've got to understand where your products should fit. Um, the 80-20 rule always applies. Mm. You know, you're going to get 80, 80% of your business out of 20% of your customers. Um, and a rifle shot approach as opposed to a shotgun approach. You know, right. and, and building it, you know, from the foundation up rather than trying to push volumes, you know, at a large format yeah. supermarket or group and walk away. That that does not work. And how did you do that with Forecourts or Yeah, I think your your mom and pop stores, you know, up and down the high street. Okay. You know, going store by store. That's that's been my philosophy. And those aren't around anymore, are they? are not not so much but okay. I, I, I still think that that philosophy applies. You know, yeah. it's all about, you know, getting you know, getting those influencer zones right, you know, making sure your demographics are right. Um, selling your product where people will buy your product, not sort of uh, you know shotgunning it out there and hoping for the best.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but um, yeah, it's it's having the right product, and it, and at the end of the day, it's got to taste good. I think a lot of people forget about that. <laughs> Might have the greatest label, the greatest yeah. bottle, the greatest price, um, a real cool name, but if it doesn't taste good, yeah. you won't get that second purchase. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you never, you never. Ventured into the liquor business again after Zambezi no, I think were,
1: we were dead scared. <laughs> I think to fight that uh, juggernaut um, was very very difficult. Yeah. You know, unless you had very very deep pockets yeah. and large checkbooks. But um, yeah, it's not to say that I wouldn't ever go back into the into that trade again. Yeah. And then um, you you managed
0: to exit your company or what's the what's formal word of selling a business to a big company?
1: To exit? Uh, <laughs> well, look, I think it's uh, any entrepreneur's uh, dream would be to, to be acquired by another business. Yeah. Um, I think we were fortunate that um, we, uh, we had um, a company like Supergroup that, that uh, has, has harbored our products um, and um, yeah, it's it's been it's been positive. I think it was a good thing.
0: And the reason they bought it was because you had good
1: contacts with, with the with the Snapple guys, or or yeah, I think I think they they saw it as a, at a time in their in their evolution that they were looking for brands to mm. add value um, to their business, and, and I think they've done that. I think they're on a on a path now, yeah, um, a different path, in in, in what they're going to achieve going forward and I think they'll acquire more brands. Yeah. And I mean your success was that you,
0: you had those brands and you weren't just a generic distributor. You had you had proper agreements with, with those brands and that you were importing and you were the sole distributor in South yeah. Africa
1: I guess. I think eh? I think that's part of the success is yeah. that you, you have to have that exclusivity and, yeah. and and take the time to to visit those people in faraway countries and, and, mm. and strike a deal. Okay. You know, sell sell the business, sell sell yourself. Yeah, um, sell the territory, sell the country. Okay, you know, make them believe that uh, that the products are going to be looked after. That's all the principal really wants. He yeah. wants obviously consistent volumes, and he wants to know that his his brand's going to be represented in the right way, um, and that he gets paid on time. Yeah. that that's, those are <laughs> that's really the ingredients to the recipe. Yeah,
0: and you grew up in Zim, Obviously, um,
1: when did you leave them? Um, left Zim around about nineteen ninety. Okay. Um, early nineties and, and worked, as I said, in the software, hardware, yeah. computer business for about a year or two. So I've been pretty much in the beverage business, sort of my whole working life. Yeah. yeah. And uh, f-
0: do you still go back to them? As much as I can.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And now, what uh, positive things happening up there? Or?
1: Yeah, I think they've got they've got their issues. Yeah. Um, we all know that. Um, but uh, the country, the landscape, doesn't change. Yeah. You know, it's still a beautiful place to go beautiful, to. Beautiful, yeah. Know, apart from the, the politics and uh, the economy. You know, the economy is still down. Yeah, I think mean, mm-hmm. we know that they've got their mm-hmm. problems.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and your other big thing was, was fishing, I believe. I remember you and
1: George Broski. You, you, you've, you've done no, your homework, eh?
0: No, huh? I remember. I used, to, <laughs> I used to work with George. He says, now I'm going fishing. Oh, uh, and then this. Yeah,
1: I actually saw George this morning. okay. <laughs> I was with him for breakfast, but uh, yeah, I think that's a passion, eh? Yeah. It's uh, definitely, definitely one of my. And uh, do you go fishing in Zim or where do you go? Yeah, fishing? Zim is probably. yeah. Zim uh, enjoy fly fishing, tiger fishing, okay. bream, um obviously trout. And uh, if I can get away, I'll do a bit of salt water as well. Okay. But, um, definitely my primary passion.
0: Yeah. yeah. So nothing better than a Zimbezi on the Zimbezi with a. The, with there you the go. Got with many, the rod many photographs of, of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kieran, it was nice chatting to you and. and Good to share those memories that we have and even if we if we didn't uh, run into each other that often it was still yeah. like kind of parallel and seeing your business grow and then I was briefly working with Supergroup consulting to them and I remember when they were starting to to eye your business. So it sounds like it's it's been a good um it was a good move And now you're still working for them? You're running a, a division yeah, for them?
1: Yeah, th- they've got a brand division um, Within the supergroup structure And uh, it's it's early days still okay. but, I, but I definitely see it um, It's got potential yeah. uh, We need to obviously get more brands in, Into the basket
0: And those okay. brands, you've got Bundaberg
1: Yeah, there's been a few new ones That have come on board okay. um, Bundaberg uh, came across as well With Snapple & Seltzer That was also yours uh, Schechter's Organic Energy okay. Um, which is which is definitely. Um, it's car racing Yeah, the Schechter's guys. Yeah, Jody Jody, Jody and, the and world Toby, champion Toby, Formula One guy. Toby Schechter. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a son that actually. How runs is it? The son. Um, out of out of Holland. It's a UK based company, but uh, certainly has a has a, a good proposition in this country. And then um, and then Recordlick, which is a, a Swedish um, pear cider. Yeah. Um, out of sweden which uh, is definitely holding its own okay in the category so yeah exciting and there's more brands to come
0: okay good we look forward to to seeing your brands and to seeing you in the trade
1: yeah i'd like to see you more in the trade (laughs) 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 cheers thanks (laughs) Thanks. cheers
0: thank you for listening to our stories here online In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.